You stand on the shore of the ocean watching the tide come in. You sense the call of the sea beckoning to take you further. You step forward little by little, not knowing what to expect, but expecting more. You keep going as the ocean calls, calls you to enter in to deeper waters. everyone and welcome to Deeper Waters. I am Nick Peters, your host, seeking to bring you the very best in Christian scholarship and apologetics. Um, if you're watching on the live stream, we're doing this a bit early today because Allie and I have plans. And as it stands, she's my guest today. We're talking here about a very serious topic, the topic of suicide awareness here. And so if you've got, like, say, small children or something, you might want to listen to this later on when they're not around, because this is going to be a very serious topic here. And like I said, I've got my lovely wife here with me. All of you on Facebook Live can see us. Sorry, but she is a bit hidden behind the microphone. There's not much we can do about that right now. But we're going to be talking for a couple of hours here, as usual, about this topic. <clears throat> now, honey... I think something that people are also wondering, you know, getting to know us and such. We've got several people listening to the show, I'm sure, and I'm quite confident the question that all of them are very wondering is, is your husband as awesome and studly in person as he is on the internet? Sure, we'll go with that. Yeah, yeah, gotta love that uh, nice vote of confidence here. Huh? But let's start getting into your story here. Now, you uh, grew up, your parents are Mike and Debbie Lacona, and Mike's very famous in the Christian world, but you didn't, you weren't actually always a Christian growing up, were you? No. Tell us about that. Um, well, I, uh, I went through a lot of bullying growing up, and I, I believe there was a God, but my view of him was really skewed. Mm -hmm. I just thought he wanted to be entertained, and so he was making my life miserable for that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, when I became a teenager, it got to the point where I actually hated God. And um, I went on a missions trip in seventh grade, and... I um I was I was the devote I was in charge of the devotions ironically yeah <laughs> in my group and on the first day we were there we read Psalm 139 which has become one of my favorite verses and it got me thinking you know maybe my views of God aren't totally accurate and um and then but I wasn't convinced yeah, so... Before we go for tell us a little bit about Psalm 139. People might not have their Bible or so with them. What is it? Um, I mean, basically, David is talking about how God is always there, and, you know, God 
knit him together in his mother's womb and his works are wonderful he knows that full well I, even in the darkest moments God is there and so um, mm-hmm. it just I, I guess it just affected me at and, the time and of course it was fearfully and wonderfully made right that's right because you you were being very different from everyone else didn't you mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay so you're on this devotion you've read psalm 139 you think maybe there's something to this but you're not convinced right and then the last night that we were there we had like a worship service and i felt like god told me that he's you know, he, he's there for me no matter what. He'll always be there for me, and he will always love me. Mm-hmm. And even though I've gone through a really difficult time, he wants to help me. I just have to believe. And so I became a Christian that night at 14. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I mean, I, I've been a Christian since I was 14, but a few years ago, I left the faith. Mm-hmm. Because I felt like God didn't want me anymore. And so um, I told you, because you were upset about it, and I told you, you know, if God really wants me, he'll come for me. Mm -hmm. And someone else told you that, too. Yeah, they were pretty confident it was going to happen soon. Mm -hmm. And um, three days late, three nights later, I had a dream. And God came for me in that dream, and I Mm -hmm. came back to the faith. Yeah. Are you one of the shortest apostasies ever in Christian probably, history? Probably, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Now, you talked some about bullying and such. Bullying, I'm sure, though, has always been with us. Mm-hmm. So chances are we're never going to really end bullying. No more we're going to end crime or anything like that until Jesus returns. But what, what effect did this bullying have on you? It affected me greatly. Um, I mean, I was bullied most of my life. And, um, I mean, ever since I was a little kid. And, um, I mean, even when I went to school, private schools, public schools, I got bullied. Mm -hmm. And I've got PTSD from that. Mm -hmm. So I was clinically diagnosed with it. Mm -hmm. You got to pretty funny story though about bullying that involves david wood though don't you <laughs> yeah um so uh let's see I, I was in middle school mm-hmm. and um not only did kids bully me at school they bullied me in the neighborhood too so the only time i could really escape from it was when i was at home and of course back in middle school that was before facebook or myspace or any of those kind of things yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, my dad had his dream team, and I went to go walk the dog. And what what is the dream team exactly? Um, some people he would, I guess he would mentor mm-hmm. in apologetics. Mm-hmm. I never st- stuck around to really know what it was. But there were a few well-known people in there. Mm-hmm. David was Nabil Qureshi was also part of it, wasn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, during one of their meetings, I went to go walk the dog, and I came home in tears because kids had been bullying me. And um, <laughs> David Wood was like, well, do you want me to go walk the dog with you? <laughs> I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, 
it was it was pretty cool. You know, the thing about this is David Wood, he's a big guy. And I'm in the sense of obese. He's just he's muscular and tough. And he would have handled anyone who went after you, wouldn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the Woods have really been good friends to us for several years now. We're we're very thankful for them. Mm-hmm. That even in Christian schools, bullying was taking place, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. What would you say to people out there who are actually out there doing bullying right now? Uh, may God have mercy on your soul. Mm-hmm. Because uh, that that does something to someone. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, you could actually kill somebody doing that. This has happened several times, hasn't it, with... Mm-hmm. People are, do commit suicide because of bullying. Oh, yeah, even kids at a young age. Mm-hmm. I mean, recently I heard about an 11-year-old who killed himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we, we have to say, this is real actual bullying. It's not like, say, if I'm on the phone with some friends, we're we're tease and rib at each other right. and such. Our goal has never been to hurt one another, but actual bullying has it. The goal is to actually hurt the other person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what would you say about someone out there listening and saying, Allie, I'm I'm being bullied right now. Hang on. I mean, it's it's not going to last forever. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, you're always going to run into people who are jerks. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to last forever. There will be times where... You know, it's not quite as bad. And, you know, there are people who care about you. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't know who those people are, there are always people who care about you. And mm-hmm. they they would hate to see you go. Mm-hmm. Do you think they should also reach out and talk to somebody about what's going on? Yes. But at the same time, if it's like at school or even at work, you know, you, you could go to a teacher or your boss, but it doesn't mean they're necessarily going to do anything about it. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, for me, I, I switched school from school from school because I got bullied so much I couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, stand your ground. You know, I, I sometimes wish I hadn't switched school so often mm-hmm. because that shows weakness on my part. Mm-hmm. So I wish, you know, I would have stood my ground, but I've never been the type who really could. It's Stand kind of, my ground. It's kind of a whole fight or flight thing. Right. And you have a tendency to choose flight. Mm-hmm. And it's quite the opposite. When someone shows up and they start going after you, you know, I choose fight immediately. Right. Social media has been kind of a gift and a curse. Day. It's good that we can get out there and meet people and connect with people we went to school with when we were growing up and things like that, but... Social media can be a place of bullying, too, can't it? Yes. Yeah, bullying has gotten worse over the years. Um, I went through some intense bullying and even some abuse, not from family. Mm-hmm. But um, today, it's it's gotten worse with social media because, at least for me, when I'd get bullied, I could at least go home and be okay mm-hmm. and be safe. While today, you know, with social media, you know, kids, they come home from being bullied. They look on their Facebook 
and there's bullying going on still. You, they can't really escape it. You know, maybe in some cases it would be wise for some parents to disconnect Facebook from yes. their kids. Who are, uh, and also, at not only do kids have social media day, most of them also have their iPhones and Androids and such. Mm-hmm. And so we definitely need to add that parents really need to be monitoring these things. Definitely. You know, I can Parents, don't let your kids, for instance, have an Instagram out there because they, they can get start doing some things they shouldn't do on there very easily. Yeah. yeah. And there have been stories of people who have committed suicide because of Facebook. Mm-hmm. And we can be thankful that Facebook Live has done work where they've stopped suicides that are being done on there. Right. Now, let's uh, talk some about um, your life when you became a teenager and you started being interested in some of the guys around you and such. What were... I've been interested in guys since the first grade. Okay, this started way before I became a teenager. Yeah, yeah. What were your romantic relationships like at first? Um, I got used a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they just wanted me for certain things, and when I wouldn't give it to them, they would break mm-hmm. up with me. Mm-hmm. Not all guys were like this, to be no, fair. No, not all of them, mm-hmm. but the majority of them were. Yeah, of course, for us as a couple, usually, me, it's quite amusing and you're talking about some guy from school and such. Yeah, you had a crush on him, didn't you? Like, How did you know? Because you had a crush on every guy you talked about, it seems. Yeah. But, I mean, did those relationships, though, did some, any of them bring you any real joy or anything? Um, there was one that I was interested in mm-hmm. but he was not interested in me in high school mm-hmm. and I had a lot of joy being with him but we had a falling out mm-hmm. and that was really hard on me mm-hmm. so um, other than that <laughs> no no other guys really gave me joy mm-hmm. now we're going to have to start getting into wherever story turns dark here some but some of you have to explain that you're not going to be giving a whole lot of key-in details about this. Could you no. explain to the audience why that is? Um, I don't want to give anyone ideas who may be struggling or trigger somebody. Because mm-hmm. they, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to be responsible for something like that. And this is something that our media does today that gets consistently wrong, such as when someone mm-hmm. like Robin Williams commits suicide, they tell explicitly what happened. And suicide mm-hmm. rates go up, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, uh, last year when Chester Bennington killed himself and they gave some details on how he did, they, um, the suicide hotline had 30% more calls mm-hmm. that day Yeah, than average. Mm-hmm. But we, we are going to have to tell us some about what happened, obviously. So, you're still in high school at the time, and 
you meet a guy on the internet, right? Right. So what happens? Um, well, I met him online shortly before graduating high school. And, um, we, um, he, he, he lived sort of in the area, um, but he never wanted to actually meet me in person. And, um, I, I really liked this guy. I, I, I don't know if I actually loved him. I don't, I don't think I did. You were convinced of a time you did. Right. And he was close to my dream guy. (laughs) (laughs) And, um... And I I really liked him, and um, and I thought he really liked me too. And then um, he we we started dating online, and I would try to have us meet in person, but he never wanted to. And um, he eventually broke up with me. And um, a- after. So, so, well, I, I don't want to get into that yet. But anyway, uh, he broke up with me, and I was devastated because he was the first guy to make me feel like I was beautiful. And um, he broke up with me, supposedly, because I was too depressing for him. And um, And then he liked a mutual friend, and so I kind of, you know... I was like, well, if I love him, I want him to be happy, right? Even if it's not with me. So I kind of got them together. And then he turned on me and started being really rude and saying really horrible stuff. I don't even remember what they were. My, my brain has probably tried to just block that out. Mm-hmm. And um, it, was, it was really hard on me. And I told my friend that he was dating at the time. I told her, hey, you, you need to tell him to stop treating me like this. And she was like, well, he's my boyfriend, so I need to agree with everything he says. I'm like, no, because if mm-hmm. he and I were still dating and he was treating you the way he's been treating me, I would say something. Yeah, at this point, let's say out there that uh, just because a guy says it doesn't mean... You always have to agree. I mean, no. believe it or not, we've been married for eight years. Ari still doesn't see what I'm right on everything, for instance. What's with that look? <laughs> anyway. The, you, the point is, we still don't agree on things, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, so go on with your story. Um, so, I, I was at, in college at the time. I was at a at community college. And, and so, after, after she had you know, I had talked to her about this. He messaged me and he said that he was completely done with me, even as friends. And he wanted nothing to do with me anymore. And I said I couldn't do it anymore. So what happened? Um, I made my first attempt mm-hmm. around midnight. Mm-hmm. And no one found me until eight hours later. Yeah. And your dad had even come down that night, hadn't he? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he, he was asking what I was doing awake still. And I just said, oh, I'm, I'm just writing something, which was my suicide note I was writing. But he didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then he came over and gave me a hug, said, I love you. I said, I love you, too. He left my room. And I thought that's the last time I'm ever going to see my dad. 
It's it's hard to talk about it, isn't it, still? Mm-hmm. So, what happens eight hours later? Um, well, my mom came down in the basement where my room was, and she was asking where my brother's medication was. And I told her to look in my bathroom. And she, uh, she saw a bunch of empty bottles, and she yelled out for my dad, you know, Mike, Allie tried to kill herself. And so, um, so yeah. This is definitely usually pretty much any parent's worst nightmare, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. So we're guessing, guessing the ambulance was called immediately. No, no, my dad took me to the hospital. Mm. Um, if I remember right, I could barely walk. I could barely stand on my own. Uh, you know, I just, I had so many drugs in my system. And, um, and I, I've been told my my eyes were darting all over the place. And mm-hmm. I, um, I had, uh, I, I was sweating profusely, mm-hmm. but I was freezing at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I, I had shivers and like, there were times where, like, my hand would just shake on its own. It, it was really scary. Um, I actually had a mild seizure before my parents found me. Mm. So. Now, let's, let's go back a little bit. You know, even before this happened, you were in therapy. Yes, I've been time. in therapy since sixth grade. Yeah, And you had been on medications. Mm-hmm. And at this point, you had been diagnosed with Asperger's, right? Yes. And you'd also had tendencies to self-harm mm-hmm. before this. So you, you'd been in mental hospitals. Even, yes. But they were told it's not going to happen, right? Right. My therapist at the time told my parents, oh, she's never going to try to kill herself. Yeah. Well, what, was this kind of like a spur-of-a-moment decision then? Yes. Or, and for you, usually that, that is how it's been, hasn't it? Yes. Yes. So, your dad takes you to a hospital. What happens then? Um, I feel really bad. Uh, uh, we were talking to the lady at the front desk, and I ended up vomiting all over her. She looked really pretty in this nice suit, and I ended up vomiting all over the place. And my dad barely missed the vomit getting on him. So, um. Yeah, and they they put me in and they put me in ICU for a couple of days. They had to um, they had to pump my stomach. So and it's it really is a miracle that yes. you survived. Yes, isn't it? And while you're in the hospital, I mean, are you kind of regretting what happened and such? No, I was angry with God that I had survived. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I really didn't want to survive from that. It's pretty, I mean, at this point in your life, when you had done it, every thing seemed absolutely hopeless, and there was no future. Right. Because if this guy was in your life, it wasn't worth it. Right. And there was a lot of anger towards God, saying, God, if you, it was kind of probably, if you really loved me, God, you would have just let me die then. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Yeah. So that was around July of uh, 2009, wasn't it? Yes. 
Okay. I was not 19 quite yet. So you probably had to go to the mental hospital. Yes. Shortly after that. Yes. And I, uh, first day I was there, I literally slept the whole day because mm-hmm. I hadn't slept in a couple days. Mm-hmm. Based on the medication that I had, I had overdosed on, um, it just, I mean, I don't want to get into details about that, but it, it definitely makes it harder to sleep. How how was it for your parents and your brother as well? Um, my brother did not visit me at all while I was in the hospital. He mm-hmm. was really upset with me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's understandable, though, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, my parents did visit me in the hospital. Uh, they they came every day when I was in ICU. <clears throat> they stayed with me the whole time. Uh, my dad even canceled a debate he was going to be in yeah. to be there. And then when I was in the mental hospital, you know, there are only certain days and certain times that you can have visitors, and they were there when when they were able to. And you even, you lived in Virginia Beach beforehand. You had people fly down from Virginia Beach, didn't you? Mm-mm. Okay, wasn't one of them willing to? Yes. 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 Our, um, our pastor from... The church we went to in Virginia Beach, when he heard that I had tried to kill myself, he asked my parents if he needed to get on a plane and, and come over. And you did have some people from your local church fell come mm-hmm. and see you. What was it like seeing all these people and seeing them care for you? Um, I mean, I just, I mean, I was grateful but like I said, I was really angry with God for mm. having me survive. So, and I also wasn't completely right in my head yeah. with the, um, not not only because I had drugs in my system, but because the charcoal, mm. I think, that they used to combat the drugs in my system, it um, it caused me to hallucinate pretty mm. badly mm. and get really delusional mm-hmm. and so that that made it harder too and that's I mean sadly when it comes to the topic of suicide there is usually a large unhealthy focus on your own self at the time yes isn't it where you you kind of C.S. Lewis once said about forgiveness that when it comes to the excuses we have for our sins we make our excuses so much better, but we downplay what everyone else says about why what they did, mm-hmm. you know. But when it comes to suicide, it's kind of like you upplay the suffering that you have going on, but you downplay the effect it's going to have on everyone else. I don't know if I'd say it upplays it. Yeah. But, um, and there are times, you know, where I, I know for me anyway, I feel like, well, I should just kill myself because it would be better for everyone else if I were gone. And in that sense, I feel like it's not a selfish thing, yeah. even though it really is. Yeah. Cause, but cause, at the at the time, I don't because I feel like I'm doing it for other people's benefits. Yeah, because right now you're kind of a wounded healer. Yes. Aren't you? You, the things you're telling us, you're telling to yourself too. Yes. Mm-hmm. So. How long are you in the hospital here? For the first attempt? Yeah. I was in ICU for three days and a mental hospital for four days. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, you get out, and it's around your birthday, Vin, mm -hmm. isn't it? And I understand your friends took you out for your birthday and such, didn't they? No, I um, I was in this college group, like a college Sunday school class, uh -huh. and uh, we went on like we went on something over the weekend. And I, I don't know if it was, I don't think it was a retreat, but I, I'm not really sure what it was, honestly. But, um, they, um, uh, they, they did get me a cake. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. I was there. Now your birthday also, you didn't know it immediately, but it did bring about another change because shortly after this, now you were, you were wanting to get back with this other, with this guy. Yes. Uh, you try to cure yourself for it and be his girlfriend again, right? Yes. At the time, I felt like, well, if I get better, maybe he'll have me back. Mm -hmm. But I later found out I was really just a guinea pig to see how how far he could go with a girl. Mm -hmm. So there was no way I was ever going to get back with him anyway. Yeah. Uh, it, it was pretty odd that while this was going on here, like I said, things changed. You, big, you got an email... From someone you didn't even know. Mm -hmm. Alright, uh, tell us about this email. Um, they told me that they heard about me from Gary Habermas. And, uh, they had autism like me. And that, that I, I guess that they heard that I really needed a friend. Mm -hmm. So, I, I didn't think too much about it, um. I, I thought, you know, I, I saw that they were a lot older than me. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, maybe they can be like a mentor then. Yeah. And then you also became Facebook friends with them. And you decided they were a total nerd, right? Yeah. Yeah. And all you wanted was a good friend, and that was nothing more. Mm -hmm. And you wanted to get back together with some guy, right? Right. So what happened to this, this, this person I emailed you? Um, well, they were really kind to me mm -hmm. in a way that I had never really experienced with anyone else. They showed genuine care, and, um, no, I wasn't used to that with, with guys. Mm. So and, if this was a guy? Yeah. Okay. Go on. <laughs> Sorry. Can we just say it was you? <laughs> yeah, I didn't even get spoiler alerts. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was that guy, and I found out about you on your birthday. Because mm -hmm. we, we've confirmed it's looking at Facebook memories, remembering the date, and things like that, because I'll go ahead and tell my part of the story here. I worked at a Christian Research Institute at the time, and I was heading home, and Gary and I had emailed some back and forth because he helped me some with self-doubt and such. He'd spoken at the church at the seminary before, so I started talking to him. And I'm talking to him, and he says, Hey, yeah, I see him have a lot because he's teaching a module at SES on Historical Jesus. And he says, So, Nick, do you know who Mike Lacona is? Yeah, you and him co-wrote a book together and he debated Barter Eminot here like a year or so ago. He says, did you know he has a daughter? No. 
I didn't notice. This is news to me. Just, yeah, well, we were talking. I'm going to have was him and I think Alex McFarlane and Frank Turek together. And they were talking about you, McFair, about what you were going through and such. And he says, and someone says that you have Asperger's. And Frank Turek, I mean, was said, well, Nick Peters has Asperger's. And so Gary said, I mean, maybe you should talk to her. And I remember doing that. He invited me to join his class for a bit. And during the break, I went up to him and got one of your email. And he said, Nick, you know what she really wants the most? A boyfriend, a boyfriend. And where I'd had internet relationships before, and they hadn't worked out where. And I got in touch with you, and it was pretty clear you were not interested in me romantically at all. And so we both thought, okay, nothing's going to happen here. It's just good friends, nothing else. Didn't that last too long, did it? No. <laughs> so what what happened then? Uh, <clears throat> we started dating on Labor Day. And why did you decide you wanted to start dating me of all people? Because you were different. Mm-hmm. And as, as the story goes, I was treating you extremely well, and the thoughts of this guy kept fading into the background and pretty soon I was there entirely. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we have an amusing story about that November I was living in Charlotte of course and you actually wanted to come to the apologetics conference for some reason. You'd, you'd <laughs> never had interest in the field and such but you wanted to come. Uh, well, what's your uh, funny story about what happened there? Um, Funny story. Yeah, when you were with at this luncheon meeting for the guests and their families. Mm, I don't know if it was funny. Well, I if, think it's funny. If we're thinking about the same story, but uh, I, a lot of times people knew me as Mike Lacona's daughter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just, I wanted to be known for me, mm-hmm. not for someone else. And then... Um, Alex McFarlane said, this is Nick Peters' girlfriend. And I liked that more than being Michael Kona's daughter. Mm. No offense, Dad. No offense, but it's kind of like, your dad's no no longer the number one man in your life. Just like my mom's no longer the number one woman in my life. Right. And so you and I are dating, and everyone is watching us. And it's pretty clear where this is going, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And fact, uh, I think this is a great irony because a month before we had you and I started communicating, you had committed tried to kill yourself and decide that life was absolutely hopeless. And yet, one of the greatest blessings you could have had in your life was just around the corner. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. What do you think when you hear that kind of thing? Um, I don't know. I, I guess that, um, you know, hold on mm-hmm. and hang in there because the pain's not going to be forever. Mm-hmm. No matter how intense it may be, it's not going to be forever. You know, something better is on the way. You never know what could be because 
Honestly, if someone had told you on July 24th, 2009, if someone came and said, Allie, you know, I've had this vision or God tell me or something that a year from now you are going to be walking down the aisle marrying a man who loves you very much and you love him very much, what would you have said to them? I hope you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but you would not believe them. No. And if someone had told me that I'd be marrying a woman who loves me very much and who I would love very much on that day, I probably would have laughed in their face. I said, yeah, this is why I don't pay attention to people who say God told me because they're obviously getting it wrong. But everyone around us was watching. I, I have an amusing story even where... Like I said, I was working at CRI, and after that, that day, after the conversation, I pretty much knew what I was going to be doing. And so I'm heading back to my office area, and I, you may turn a corner, I hear someone say, and that was Mike Lacona's daughter, wasn't it? And I said, yeah, yeah, it was, and says, such a beautiful couple, so happy together. They're probably going to get married. All this stuff here. I was just, okay, for a while I was eavesdropping, just soaking it all in and enjoying <laughs> it. And then while I come around, around the corner, I've got like this brochure for jewelry and such and say, make that definitely instead of probably. And <clears throat> the guy there, he, uh, he tells me a good jewelry store in the area to go get a ring. So... Let's tell the story, then. You were going to spend Christmas with me that year. So, you're flying to Atlanta. What what happens when you get there? I'm flying to Atlanta. Um, to Charlotte. I'm sorry. You fly to Charlotte on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. So, what happens when you get there? Um, well, we meet at the Queen Charlotte statue mm-hmm. at the airport because mm-hmm. I can't drive yeah. <laughs> and, and um, we, we we meet at this statue really beautiful statue and we're talking and you ask um, how would you like to be a queen and I said only if you're the king and then you Got down on one knee and, and proposed pop, and popped open that box and mm-hmm. you're absolutely stunned at that point aren't you because mm-hmm. you had hoped it would happen but you were still very surprised yes and as we know we were both surprised because my phone went, went off at just that moment too mm-hmm. and I was convinced it was my mom calling because she always calls at the worst possible times. So here I am proposing my girlfriend, and she calls. Great. Well, I didn't answer it. Guys, do not answer the phone while you're proposing it, okay? And I go and check afterwards, after you say yes, of course. And I was half right. It was your mom wanting me to know that the plane arrived early, and she's always been scared of this story would live in immortality, and she'd never live it down, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I guess she could be should be relieved that we haven't really mentioned it, right? Right. <laughs> now, we drive to Knoxville to see my family, and there was 
uh, lands a rock slide of sorts on the interstate there. So we had to go a more circular route through the northwest part of North Carolina, the northeast part of Tennessee, and drive around. And I had things planned perfectly where when we'd walk in an area, I'd have your left hand that had your ring, or was it your right hand? Left. Okay, I'm confused sometimes which one you wear on. Yeah, he had, and I had it covered in my right hand because some people there didn't even know you. Right. And I came in for first, because we had two spots to go to. And first one, I walk in, we have the last ones to get there as expected. And I say to everyone, hey, everyone, um, this is Ari. She and I have been dating for a few months now. And as of a few hours ago, she's become somewhat more important in my life. I mean, I'd lift my hand up so everyone could see the ring. And as I say, I dove out of the way to avoid all the women flocking up there wanting to see that ring immediately. <laughs> and we, we did the same thing when we went to see my extended family for the second stop. What, what's it like for you on this day? Because I know when you were calling all your friends and telling them the story. And such, I mean, what, what's this day like for you? It was exciting. Can you tell us a bit more about what's going through your mind and such? I can't believe I'm getting married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, although when you called to tell your mom, she already knew very well, mm-hmm. didn't she? <laughs> and like, when you'd ask me when we should get married, I already have that, that set up, didn't I? Yep. Now, we go through the usual things with planning, weddings, and things like that, and me just sitting back there saying... Yes, dear, whatever you want, whatever makes you happy. <laughs> I'm planning the honeymoon, guys. That, that's, that, I, I had my priorities there, okay? And then the wedding day comes, and I think we can easily say this is the happiest day of your life, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yep. And we had a dream wedding, and go on a honeymoon together, and, and you really learn what it means to, you know, live with someone. Mm-hmm. And she can be married. But at the same time, we're still exploring what's happened because the overdose, it did affect you, didn't it? Yes. What happened? I have a brain injury. Mm-hmm. And it affects my short-term memory, um, perception some, and also <clears throat> I can't... Excuse me, I can't drive. Mm. Now, with perception, for instance, like sometimes you look at me and think I'm only slightly studly sometimes, right? More like uh, when, like, this only happens when I'm behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, cars that are moving sometimes look like they're parked to me. And so, um, it's really weird. So I, I almost got into some accidents, mm. major accidents because of that. The cars looked parked to me, but they were actually moving. Mm. And sometimes things like signs or light poles, they'll look slanted at times. So mm-hmm. Although that, that's gotten better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of this stuff is still a subject to change. Yes, there's a 50% chance my brain will heal. Mm. And I had to drop out of college because of my brain injury. So before we were even engaged, I had to drop out because it was too much stress on my brain. Yeah, going back, another funny story was when 
I came back to seminary after the proposal, Mariah. I was wondering, you know, I put this up on Facebook and such. I wonder how many people know about it. So I go to the seminary and I go to my personal mailbox there. I went up there, it's like this weekly brochure thing they send out with things mm-hmm. going on and prayer requests. And I look at my back and there was a prayer request section. The last one, and I'm sure I've still got a picture of this somewhere. God's blessing on Nick Peters and Ari Lacona's engagement. <laughs> well, I guess we know. And my professor in my class today said, how I want us to be paying attention. He said, yeah, I don't want, I, I don't want Nick rubbing his hands because oh, I'm getting married. Which is true, by the way. Congratulations. <laughs> it, it, it was a very fascinating time for me, too. Definitely. And even when you're married, it doesn't mean we, we stop working on the mental issues and such, because they're still there. Right. And we we make going to therapy a regular part. Oh, yeah. Of our lives. I'm in so. therapy almost every day of the week. Mm-hmm. And there have been a few more diagnoses even since then, haven't mm-hmm. there? Yep. Now, it'd be great to say that everything keeps going and it's happily ever after, in that point, but it's it's not the case. And now the lobbies come from what we could say is relationship addiction many times and because you feel rejected. Not by me, right. to be sure, but other people. So I've written about this on my blog about what was easily easily definitely worst day of my life and that was I had gotten done doing a show and we were going to go with my dad to see a movie the first Avengers yeah and you weren't really responding too much I didn't think too much of it and then you told me you dealt for dosed again mm-hmm. and you still wonder why you told me yeah because if you hadn't told me I probably would have gone to a store got some medication came back and it, probably, it could have been too late for all we know then. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe, but it could have been. And I ended up calling 911 immediately. Calling your parents, calling my parents. And my parents lived next door. What happened with them? They came over. It. I think it's a little bit more than just they came over. <laughs> yeah. My mother in her 60s here, not athletic at all and such, she runs down and jumps on the bed with you and tells you to keep your eyes open, right? Yeah, I was I was dozing off. As far as you're concerned, my mother could very well save your life that day, couldn't she? Possibly. Mm-hmm. And I kept hearing, Allie, get up, get up, get up, open your eyes, get up. Mm-hmm. And take you to the hospital again. And we had a strange time, too, because my dad and I decided we are going to follow you. And our car had recently been in a car accident. Someone had backed into us. So I had to ride with my dad. That was a wild ride. Mm -hmm. Because when my dad said we were going to follow the ambulance, I did not know he meant it in a real liberal sense. We followed the ambulance right through every red light, right through every stop sign, everything. We were right behind them. I mean, what, what were they saying in the ambulance? Um, 
I mean, I was kind of going in and out of it, but um, I could hear them say, you know, they're they're passing red lights with us. Should we should we do something? <laughs> and they're like, no, just let them let them follow. And on the way, I'm pretty much calling everyone and their mother, letting them know. Like when I get there, there's about there's about nine people I think in the waiting room are there for you. Mm-hmm. And it's when I'm pacing and back and forth, when when can I get back from and see you? And it's about an hour or so after we get very finally say, you can come back there. And only two of us were allowed at a time, mm-hmm. and I was always one of them. So a lot of those people out there did not get to go back there right. and see you. Right. So what's it like when you see me again after all of that? Um, it was strange. Um, you were crying, and of course I felt bad about that, and I kept thinking, why did I say something? I wanted to die. Why did I say something? And I, I still, to this day, can't figure out why I said anything. And, I didn't do it for attention. Yeah. I just, I don't know why I said anything. And the reason you done this this time was Facebook. Mm-hmm. Again, you'd felt rejected in two different relationships, right? Mm-hmm. And rejection sometimes happens. And what are some better ways people can do things? I mean, like, we we shouldn't say that someone dating someone should never, ever break up. And that's going to happen sometimes and such. What are right. some better ways things can go about? Mm, I guess be gentle. Mm-hmm. You, know, you never, you never know what kind of battle the other person is fighting. Mm-hmm. To be fair, you'd been in some DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, and you had been trying to clean up your Facebook list and such. And your your teacher did later tell you, "How you took me way too literally, yeah. right?" Yeah. <laughs> Because if I remember, you started giving out ultimatums to people, mm-hmm. and then they start responding negatively yeah. to that. Quite bizarrely, isn't that? Yeah. And so you're in the mental area of uh, the hospital yeah. again. And say, anytime you get to go and use the phones, you're calling me immediately, mm-hmm. aren't you? Yeah. And we took advantage of that every time. And say before, there was a kind of crisis stabilization unit in Knoxville, and it was in a city called Morrisville, maybe 20 or 30 miles away. And I had to go there a couple of times or so. <gasps> and visiting hours were from 6 to 8 p.m. And when visiting hours came, I was already waiting outside the door to come in every time Mm -hmm. and I stayed the whole two hours until I had to leave and and what are you thinking when you see your husband go and do that every single time um I, I guess I'm I was thinking I he he must really care about me. It's it's still something you have a hard time believing, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. Well, 
your husband does still really care about you. I, you know, I even brought the associate pastor from the point the church we were attending with me once, didn't I? Mm-hmm. I mean, there was another lady that came one time, too. We had thought about going down there together, and I called and said, I want you to be there, but I don't think we should drive together for appearances' sake and such. You know my rule yeah. on this. And she understood. She, it's kind of my version of a pence rule and such, but I was there. And here you are in the hospital this time again after an overdose. And I tell you people here, you all know I love doing apologetics here, but... I didn't want to do it at that time. I was sitting at home, very angry, kind of just turning on the TV, sitting there, not doing anything. And, you know, it, it's kind of odd because we could understand people feeling so of that, but anger does sometimes seem like it'd be a bit, bit out of place, but it is fitting in some ways, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like when Allie had, had had been in the hospital, that first night in the hospital, before they took you to the mental area and such, I stayed there with you the whole night. Mm-hmm. And there was no getting sleep either, because sure, they turned on the lights, but I'd have to sit in a chair, not comfortable at all. And someone would come in pretty much every hour, turn on the lights, check vitals, get blood, things like that and such, so... I stayed up all night with you, with a sleepless night mm-hmm. and such. And next day, my parents had to take me back home for a little bit so I could get some sleep and come back. And like I said, we had no car then. Right. And so I couldn't just sleep when I wanted to. And you were begging me to stay with you that night. But the thing is, if... They had taken you to a mental area, then I would have been stuck there all evening, mm-hmm. with no way to get home or anything, right. and it put me in a bind. And as she said, "No, honey, I can't stay with you," and that was one of the scariest things I'd done. And I'm sure you felt kind of abandoned, didn't you? A little. And later on, I got home and I saw it was you calling me on my phone, and I was honestly getting scared. Because I was thinking you were going to be so angry with me and such. But you told me they'd come and they were taking you to the area. So I made the right decision. Mm-hmm. Now, you you were there about three days. Know, yeah, and then you were going to get to have another dialectical behavioral therapy class because it took place at a hospital. And I was going to get to finally see you some that day. And as we're, as I'm coming in there, because I think by then I had a car. We'd had one had been provided then, I think. Mm -hmm. And I had a whole speech laid out. I love you. I still did. I always have. But I was angry with you. Which, by the way, people, if you're in love, you will get angry with people. (laughs) With them. Believe it or not, Ali Summers gets angry at me. I mean... I'm actually not always just a simple joy and delight to be with. I I know that's stunning. And such, why are you rolling your eyes, honey? I didn't roll my eyes. Well, why are you giving me that look? (laughs) But I had this speech all laid out. Now, 
when you come to a hospital there, where I was on Fairby, there was a long hallway to get there, then some double doors, a short little alcove in there, with some more double doors. And past the double doors was another long hallway, and you had to wait at a second set of double doors for the for a class to let out so you could come out and see her. I had the speech, the talk, ready. And I was going to tell Allie how things were going to be from now on, because I was so angry at that point. Because it, it was like an, a rejection, a betrayal of sorts. And you can understand that, definitely. And I'm all set. But then I see the doors down the hall open, and I see you come out, and as I tell people, I forgot everything I was going to say immediately. And I didn't get to see you for long, because you had to go back up to the mentor area. But we walked up there together, and I still remember there was a, this little bench out there. And you and I sat there, and we talked as long as we could, kissed, hugged those kinds of things, and such. What's that time like for you? Because here you've got the man you love here again, and you know you're going to have to go away for a bit, and you don't know when you're going to get out of the mental area. What's it like? Um, It was hard, but at the same time, I was looking forward to going back home. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Were you at the point then now where you regretted the decision? To try to kill myself? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that can usually happen after someone does it. Mm-hmm. Why were you wanting to go home? Because um, I wanted to be with you and I wanted to be with the cat. <laughs> mm-hmm. and yeah, we, we do have a cat. Uh, if you uh, watch Allie's Facebook for it, Maybe a few seconds or so. You'll probably see a picture of a cat pop up eventually. You know, when we get done, um, you come home and things are pretty different for a while, aren't they? Yeah. What's going on? Um, well, when I realized that I had another chance in life, I wanted to use that new chance. And so I, um, I wanted to get healthy, and I wanted to do better at taking care of things. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. You were very happy, mm-hmm. and you were leaving a whole lot of positive notes on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I, I think you were even taking the same that I gave sometimes at you didn't just want to exist, you wanted to live. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the guy that had, one of the guys that had hurt you so much with rejection, he, he said something very rude to you, and that kind of killed it, didn't it? Yeah. And for some people, sometimes you do need to be straightforward and blunt, but. There can be times where it's definitely not the right thing to do, isn't it? Right. And as, Some people are too sensitive for that. Mm-hmm. 
And to be fair, I mean, on your end, that is something you have to work on, mm -hmm. too. But you are learning to explore as girls. I mean, this will come up more later, but you're in Celebrate Recovery now. Mm -hmm. And you're learning more about dealing with unhealthy addictions and such, aren't you? Right. Yeah. You're at about the halfway point here. Uh, I hope you all can hear things, okay? I hope you can see things as well if you're watching on the live stream here and such. But I can remind you, you're listening to a Deeper Waters podcast, and I've got my lovely wife, Ari, here with me. We're talking about her experience with suicide for Suicide Awareness Month. But if you're here next week, we're going to have Greg Kutsana with us. He's written the book, Mere Science and Christian Faith, looking at science and Christianity issues, and especially how this is affecting the younger generation, the millennials, how we can do better, talking about things like evolution, climate change, technology, things of that sort. So we were going to have him last month, but things went wrong, so we're having him here this month. So if you're here next week, that's what's going to happen here. Now... Despite you being in such a great mood before, you were you, you were still going to therapy just to be safe, right? Mm-hmm. Now, something some people could wonder about that is this thing. But, oh, yeah. You're a, a Christian here. Why would a Christian want to kill themselves? Um, same reason anybody else would. I mean, we're all human. Mm-hmm. And, um, no, we all have... We all suffer in different ways, and for me, it's a lot of mental health illnesses. Mm -hmm. And so, I, um, I, I, if you follow my blog at all, you can see that there's a lot of darkness. Mm -hmm. And usually, I try to have some hope in my blogs. It it doesn't always work out that way, mm -hmm. but I try, and um. And so there's there's a lot of darkness in my head. Um, something that Chester Bennington said in an interview shortly before he killed himself last year was that in his mind, it's a very bad neighborhood. And he can't be in there by himself for very long. Mm -hmm. And it's true. That's that's how my mind is, too. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, I think it's true that. All Christians struggle with some sins. Mm -hmm. So what's and so we could just as we ask, people say, how could a Christian want to commit suicide? We say, how could a Christian want to watch pornography, right. want to have an affair, want to overeat, want to cheat on their taxes, do any number of things? Because we all have struggles right. of some sort and such. And sadly, Christians can sometimes be less than comforting at the time, can't they? Mm-hmm. Some of the worst people I've ever known are Christians. Mm -hmm. so. Now, what what effect do these kinds of attempts have on the people around you? Uh, it's hard on them, and they lose trust for me. Mm -hmm. Even today, here, we have to keep medication and things like that in the locked box. Mm-hmm. And... We both want to see, look forward to a day where this is no longer necessary mm -hmm. and such. But it, it it's really painful. And I said it, the suicide thoughts, they really, I think they, 
they focus on the negative so much that really the positive that is there just seems to get drowned out. And you're not really... You think you're thinking of the other person. Right. But you're really not in that sense, you know? Mm-hmm. So, in fact, there was... Over this person who hurt you so much later on, there was a third attempt. Not much happened. I managed to stop you. Mm-hmm. In fact, I can't what was going on there. You didn't even really put up a fight at all. But I did manage to stop you. And you were having to keep going to therapy and such and find out what's going on. Now... Let's talk some then about how eventually we do wind up here in Atlanta. And there was a time shortly after we get here where I I make a decision because I see how you are one night and say, we're going to the hospital again. And I take you there. And it was the only time since we moved here you've had to go to a mental hospital and such in you know, while you're there, it kind of seems you miss the things that you take for granted. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, some of the things with, that can lead to suicidal thinking is you take things for granted, right? Yeah. Like, you overlook all the blessings you have in your life at the time, and even simple things. Can to have a home-cooked meal of sorts? Can pet your cat? Can to hold your happy clothes? Things like that. Mm-hmm. What really keeps you going today? Um, I guess the people that I care about. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I can't live for myself, I'll try to live for them. Mm-hmm. And... That includes living for God. Mm-hmm. And you're still trying to find a way you can best serve Him, aren't you? Yeah. Let's talk some about Celebrate Recovery. What is Celebrate Recovery? It's a 12-step program that's Christ-centered, and it focuses on not just one addiction, but a range of addictions and other problems. Mm-hmm. Like the first time I ever went to a celebrate recovery was we were in Tennessee and I went there for grief mm-hmm. and that one didn't go to where right no that was a different one okay but we also went to one there and it was one you and I both enjoyed going to because the, it was like one of the co-pastors led it and, you know, and he gave a hilarious talk beforehand many times it was serious but he was very funny too and this would even be live streamed to prisons mm-hmm. so that people behind bars could get to hear a good message then you go to your group and I'd go to one for family of people like this and such what difference does Celebrate Recovery make? um I mean it makes a, a really big difference um no, like like you, uh, you're surrounded by people who have similar problems, mm-hmm. and so there are people you can relate to, and there are people who support you, 
And also the chips. <laughs> the um, the chips are these plastic, like, coins. Yeah, we're not talking nacho chips or something. No, and um, they commemorate how long you've been sober. Like, this week, I got my three-month chip for being clean from not harming myself. Mm-hmm. And once again, my wife's being very careful with her words so that... No one out there would be triggered. And so, you know, in our day and age of the social justice warriors and such, sometimes people can make light of the term triggering. And let's face it, some people do get triggered by things that they shouldn't get triggered by and Mm -hmm. such, but it is a real thing for some people, isn't it? Yes. So, and we can think, for instance, that, uh, that, Many people who were in the military and have PTSD, if they hear loud sounds and, like, fireworks and such, they can have flashbacks. Mm-hmm. And it's not because they're wimps that need to grow up and learn to face the world. Right. But because they really do remember those mm-hmm. things. And we all can have some things like that, I think. I, for instance, I think with my fear of water, I can get traumatized and I'm stepping into a swimming pool. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, thinking about that and... I think you've come to realize that really is one of my largest phobias of all. And we have someone here on the live stream here who's just said, celebrate recovery is good. We go to one on Friday nights. And one of the other great benefits, I think, of it also is the women get matched up with women mm-hmm. and the men get matched up with men. And you form an accountability group, don't you? Mm-hmm. What, what happens with this group? Um... I mean, like you said, it's an accountability group. Mm-hmm. And what do you all do, then? We talk. Yeah. The, the whole thing is that you all have each other's numbers mm-hmm. and things like that, and you have a... What exactly is a sponsor? Um, a sponsor, I guess, is like a mentor. Mm-hmm. And so, like, like my sponsor, I can call her and tell her when like if I'm having an episode or something and Mm -hmm. she'll try to talk me through it and she goes through the steps with me um sponsors and accountability partners are different Mm. the sponsor has gone through all 12 steps and so um like I said they're more of a mentor while an accountability partner doesn't have to have gone through all the steps so you and I haven't gone through all the steps, so we couldn't right. be sponsors right. yet. Now, it, it really is something great for one of our old, have all these people nearby, because I think when you struggle with depression, there's nothing like having just someone nearby. Even if they can't fix the problem, talking about with someone does help a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. And, I mean, last night, for instance, on my end, I had a kind of a rough night. It was something happened. It left me feeling sad. We we don't need to talk about what it was. My sponsor, I wasn't able to reach, but I did have another friend that I called, and you and I call this person pretty regular about these kinds of things, and put him on speaker, and all three of us talked together, and it was a really helpful thing, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And people need to tell you this sometimes, you might think you could be bothering someone if you pick up a phone and call them and such, but 
it really could mean a lot to Finn. If you just call him and say, hey, how are you doing? And things like that. Mm. Mm-hmm. It, it depends on a person. Of course, Allie loves those kinds of things. For me, it's not the biggest deal in war because usually I'm reading a book or playing a game or doing something like that. And I'm the one who has to be encouraged to call other people. But it's really good to have a network of people around you can depend on, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And we talked about <clears throat> we talked about yeah yeah you saw the comment someone left there didn't you your mighty beard yeah but they also I'm impressed with my honesty the love and support you share with each other and we talked about Gary Habermas summer he's been a big help sometimes when you've been upset with it things mm-hmm. hasn't he yep did you talk a little bit about that um. I don't know what to talk about with that. <laughs> well, I guess Gary... I guess he's calm. Yeah. You know, when I, I've told people that, um, you know, if I'm, like, having an episode and I start talking about being suicidal or, like, I'm going to hurt myself, mm-hmm. it's really good for them to be calm because... And you saw this in Charlotte, yeah. even when I saw my therapist there... Um, you know, if, if I'm freaking out and someone else is freaking out, that makes me freak out even more. Mm-hmm. But if I'm freaking out and the other person is remaining calm, then that helps me calm down too. Yeah. I'm like an animal that way, I guess. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the story of a therapist in Charlotte's story, I remember taking you at time and I was sitting in on that session with you because like, oh, I was in a panic and you're up to your therapist, and he's one of the best ones there is, one of the best ones you've ever had. Mm-hmm. And he just says, Chris, so Allie, how are you doing? I mean, just like, it was a casual conversation, like, how do you think the weather is today? And I'm saying, dude, she's suicidal. She's talking about curing herself. Don't you see how serious the situation is? And he talks that way, though, the whole time. And I'm saying, well, you know, I, I just really hope you decide to stay. And I'm saying, have we wasted our time here entirely here? Uh, but that did a tremendous help for you, didn't it? Mm-hmm. How come? Well, like I said, if you're calm with me, then it helps calm me down. Mm-hmm. And also, Gary does the whole thing with telling yourself the truth, where he gets you to focus on what really is true to try and clear back the emotions. Right? Yeah. Mm. I think something we should say about this also is that many times when someone's suicidal and such, they don't necessarily want someone to fix the problem. Right. That'd be great if they can, but... They want someone to sympathize. Just to listen. Mm -hmm. I think this is something I told you last night, and I said, because I said, honey... I may not be able to understand all the pain that you go through, but I will walk with you through it. And mm-hmm. that kind of thing means a lot. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. Especially since one of my biggest fears in life. I, I, I've had two really big fears in my life. One is that I'll go crazy, which I already feel like is 
has been happening for a few years now. I mean, I married you after all. (laughs) I was about to say, I'm not so sure when you mentioned about it. Yeah, yeah. But as soon as you said I do to me, you you were certified to be crazy at that point. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. And then the other big fear I have is that I'll be completely alone one day. Mm -hmm. And so knowing when, uh, knowing that someone is there for me really goes a long ways. You know, I saw a couple of people send up the laughter about the whole thing, where <laughs> we just said it and such. And even to this day, it, it's still hard to believe that someone's going to be there with you. You mm-hmm. know, because at the same time, you still guard yourself. And most everyone else who talks to you look and say, like, like, what, are, are you nuts or something? I mean, this guy here with you is crazy about you. And... Uh, I I still remember what my mother said to me once. I said, as far as you're concerned, she hung the moon. And it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've told you several times, I mean, aside from salvation in Jesus Christ, you are the best thing that's ever happened to me. And as soon as I say that, I realize your mind comes up with someone trying to argue against that, doesn't it? Yeah. So... Now, we've uh, we've even tried to help out some people who we've thought were suicidal. This is something that everyone should do out there. Whenever you see someone out there in person or on social media, they say something that seems suicidal. What do you think people should do? Be there for them and let them know that you're you're there for them no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, don't helicopter over them. Because that'll just, that'll make things worse. And like I said, you know, if you panic, then they panic more. Mm -hmm. So be calm and let them know, you know, hey, I'm here for you whenever you need to talk or, you know, you need someone to listen to you or or whatever. Now, what do you mean by helicoptering over someone? Um, don't be all over them, Mm -hmm. in other words. Mm -hmm. Um... You know, that you don't want to have them be alone, but yeah. at the same time, don't be all over them. This is something that sounds like parents do and their kids are going off to college. Right. And such, sometimes they helicopter over them, and the kids actually come to, re- come to resent it mm-hmm. after a while. Oh, yeah. And such. And we had a case recently with a friend who... We both know who lives in New York. And why had he messaged you that night? Gosh, I don't remember the exact words, but it really scared me. It's like, you don't need to worry about me anymore and things like that. Mm-hmm. Now, in this case, we had this person's number. So we called them and they didn't answer. I think we called twice. Yes. And we left voicemail. Still didn't answer. So, what we did then was we actually knew his address. So, we called the local police department and had him go and check on him. And he was upset with us at first, but I think he's come to a point where hopefully he's come to appreciate because you don't take chances with that kind of thing, do you? No. And... I think Facebook and other things have it set up now that 
if someone says something like that, there is a way to report it. Mm-hmm. And that way, if a person can get help. Friends, if people around you are saying things that you think could possibly even be suicidal... Don't take a chance. Yes. It means, you, of course, you don't panic and such, but you do things that can make sure that it doesn't happen. And just try and show how much you care to that person. At this point in the show, I would like to remind everyone that I've got my princess, Allie, here with me. And we're talking about September Suicide Awareness Month. Now, everything we do here is supported by people like you out there. And if you want to help with that, just go to um, deeperwatersapologetics.com. There's a link there on the side. Help support the work of Deeper Waters Christian Ministries. And you go there and you click in that and you get taken to Risen Jesus. Oh, is there something wrong with my website? I thought we were interested in Deeper Waters. No, the website's working. That takes you to my in-laws ministry, Mike and Debbie Lacona. You make your donation and you get in touch with me or Allie here or Mike or Debbie and say, hey, I made my donation. I wanted to go to Nick Peters. I wanted to go to Deeper Waters. And we'll find out about that donation. We'll get it. It will be tax deductible. You can also buy ebooks that I have written, such as A Creed for the Ages, The Apostles' Creed in Today's Christian, or buy books that I have co-written, Defying Inerrancy, Groundless, God and Natural Disasters, Christian Answers, Risk Generations Questions, etc. And uh, something else we've got at our side, uh, honey, you can't wear a lot of it, but you like jewelry, mm-hmm. don't you? The, my wife can't wear a lot of jewelry because she's got an allergy to nickel. She can't even wear a wedding ring. I got her all the time. I don't, n- not, not re- resentful about that at all. It's the way you are, I know. But women just like jewelry. Why is that? Because it's pretty and shiny. Mm-hmm. And it makes you feel beautiful, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So, guys, we have a jewelry store here. A friend, Lena Cluster, runs it. You go there and you make a purchase. And whatever you purchase, 25% of that goes to Deeper Waters. So, guys, you can buy something special for that lady and support a ministry at the same time. <laughs> And what I like to tell you guys out there is, you know, guys, you can buy something special for that lady in your life to make up for that screw-up that you recently did with her. Or, or, you can buy something special for that lady in your life to make up for that screw-up that I know you're going to make with her. This doesn't apply to me. I never make screw-ups with Harry. Oh, no. <laughs> never. See, God, I love your honesty so much, hon. Yeah. And if you can't do any of these, go on iTunes and leave a positive review for the Deeper Waters podcast. I love to see them. I can tell you this. I get really excited every time I see a new review show up, right, on. Mm-hmm. Now, normally I'd ask for guests here if there was any organization they'd like to see people donate to, but I'm pretty sure you'd say the exact same organization, wouldn't you? Yes. 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 Please 
consider donating to us. We we could definitely use it here. Now, what are some signs that uh, that you can uh, from from people that might indicate that they could be thinking about fits? I'm sorry. Well, I, I'm sorry. I, I totally <laughs> zoned out just now. Yeah, I'm reading comments here. Yeah. What are if someone said? Don't give them presents. Give them presents. And I think that refers to a suicidal person. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the gift you can give them is the gift of your just being there. Yes, right? it, it goes a long ways. Uh, people who have you know, been there with me when I'm going through a hard time. I mean, I, <clears throat> I mean, this past Good Friday, I I almost did something, mm. and it's because of you and someone else that. I didn't go through with it because you guys were there for me. You know, I'm thinking about that video you can see online. So it's the whole thing about it's not about for now. Right. Where her husband goes to his wife and she's talking about this splitting headache she's got. And she's got this nail sticking out of her head. And he's trying to talk to her. And the whole thing he's saying, let me just move this nail. I mean, that could help and such. She's going to say, it's not about for now. That's the kind of thing you're saying, isn't it? Mm-hmm. What, what does it mean to say it's not about for now? No, I mean, it's like, I mean, when we, like for me personally, I would love it if I got cured from these mental illnesses. Absolutely. If there was a cure, I would go for it. Yeah. But there isn't one. So I need someone who will be there for me Mm -hmm. through the episodes that I have. Yeah. Not just say... Well, this is what you need to do to mm-hmm. get over it. No, I, I need someone just to be there, just to listen. Mm. Someone who will empathize with me. Sometimes it might be best even if they say absolutely nothing. Sometimes. Just as long as they're listening. Because, mm-hmm. and, and this is still something I struggle with. And I think all men, especially service girls, for us, we men want to fix the problem. I mean, we're, we're fixers. We see something broken. We want to fix it. We see our wives crying. We see them in pain. We want to fix it. Doesn't work that way, does it? No. Mm. It's not about fixing the problem. Because mm. even if the problem isn't solved, as long as you still feel like emotionally safe right. with things, mm-hmm. it's better for then. Right. Mm. Now, what are some warning signs that someone might exhibit if they are suicidal. I mean, we're talking about someone just coming out and saying, hey, I'm planning on curing myself and such. What are some indications it could be happening? Uh, Isolation. Mm -hmm. And not just a little isolation, but a lot of isolation. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there was this band that I love, Alice in Chains. They were huge in the 90s. Uh, The lead singer, Elaine... When his fiance passed away, he was never the same, and he really isolated himself. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, he just he just stayed in his apartment the whole time, and um, eventually, no one. He, they tried to reach him on the phone, and they couldn't reach him, mm-hmm. so they called the cops, and they went in, and he was dead. So, isolation is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, giving things away. Yeah. Um, I heard that before Chester Bennington killed himself, 
he was giving some of his things away mm-hmm. that were very, uh, very valuable to him. Mm-hmm. Like he gave one of his sons, I think it was a leather jacket that he had. Mm-hmm. And so, um, if they're, if they're giving things away, then, um, and not just little things. I mean, like starting to give their most valuable things away. Yeah. Um, that if I give sense. you a book from my library, don't panic immediately. Right. But, you know, if, if I'm giving things away like, uh, like, like, like I've got this prayer bracelet here mm-hmm. and, um, if I gave that away, then that could be a sign. Or I was saying just like in the past year, I got you that Evie from Bear to Bear. Right. And if you gave something like that away, that would be a big sign. Right. As well. Um, a lot of times, if you ask someone, you know, how are you doing? They go, oh, I'm okay. Um, not, this isn't for everyone. But a lot of times for people who are suicidal, they just say that so they don't have to get into how they're really feeling. Mm-hmm. So um, if they consistently are just like, I'm okay, that can be a sign. <clears throat> um, I mean, just if it looks like they're... A lot of times also, if it's someone who, for example, is planning their suicide, then, or, or they do have a plan, it's not something just mm-hmm. spontaneous like most mm-hmm. of my attempts have been. Mm-hmm. But when it's been planned, um, and, and I heard this was the same with Chester Bennington, they, they believe that he, he had his planned, um, they have a certain joy that they express. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because they feel, you know, this is going to be over soon. I don't have to put up with this anymore soon. Mm-hmm. I'll be at peace soon. Th- mm-hmm. that, that's what goes on in their mind. That doesn't mean that's really what's going to happen, yeah. of course. But in their mind, they believe, you know, this is going to be over and done with soon. Yeah, and... And it's not necessarily if someone's suicidal, but sometimes something that you and I would do is we don't tell people how we are immediately because, in essence, it's kind of like we're testing. We want to see if someone really cares, and then if we think they care, then we open up. Right. And I mean, I'll even say this, and, and I don't want to worry you, Nick, but uh, sometimes when I say, and this, I, I've read this is for other people too, but sometimes when I say, you know, I love you, right? Yeah. Sometimes that's the sign of saying, you know, yeah. I, I might do something that's going to hurt you, and I want you to know that I do love you. Yeah. And in fact, sometimes I, I have said some when you've said that based on the way you've said it, just because I don't want to take chances. And, you know, I know that I really don't like having you out of my sight much. Um, and I, I always try and be around there with you, because that way if, if, someone, if you need me for something, I'm not there, and... We've seen this happen, for instance, on Facebook that I've talked about this several times on my show and I know my sound editor loves it when I talk about this. That's that if someone goes after me, we know that happens. I'm debating left and right on here. People are going to sling bullets and fire bullets at me all day long. Yeah, that's cute. That's nice. But if someone goes after you, you've seen it happen that 
I take no prisoners. No. And I think the rule on Facebook is everyone goes and they pop their popcorn and say, sit back, we're going to enjoy the show. <laughs> I mean, what, Gladiator. <laughs> yeah. What does it do for you, though, when you see someone like that sticking up and fighting for you like that? It means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this could go back to the whole bullying thing, Karina, that if you see someone being bullied out there, do something. Mm-hmm. Say something. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, say even if some, you might have to get physically involved with the situation, and get physically involved sometimes if you have to. And, and when I... I spent a few years saying karate, and we had a saying, peace if we will, power if we must. But sometimes, that, that if that's what it takes to stop a body, you might have to. Mm-hmm. But and the thing I just want to stress with is that when I do this kind of thing, it is because you are worth fighting for. And my whole saying is, anyone can go after me. But if they go after my princess, that's something serious. They can disagree with you. They can tell you you're wrong. I disagree sometimes. I tell you you're wrong on some things and such. And that's fine. Disagreements allowed. Healthy debate, healthy discussion is allowed. But going on the offensive against you is not allowed. I mean, I've even blocked some people on your Facebook account because of this. Yeah. Mm. And this is, again, why... We have to be very careful with social media, such, and we have to be very careful with rejection because people do get hurt sometimes, but there is love out there, still isn't there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when things have, you, you are still working on many things at this point. You're going through the 12 steps. You're reading more books now to get past this. And part of the thing that you're having to learn, actually, believe it or not, people, is humility, right? Mm-hmm. Why does someone who's suicidal need humility? Um, I mean, <clears throat> someone like me has a lot of false humility. Mm-hmm. I, um, I beat myself up a lot. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm, like, the worst person in the world. Mm-hmm. And so, um, humility is understanding who you really are, mm-hmm. not going over the top on how good you are or over the top on how bad you are. Mm-hmm. It's literally knowing who you are. Yeah. It, that's my definition, anyway. It's not being selfless. It's thinking about yourself less. Right. And it's quite interesting that you're being told to help you overcome this you are not as special as you think you are. <laughs> the whole idea is usually when you're in this kind of situation, you really do think you're the only one with this kind of experience, don't you? hmm And that's something that makes Celebrate Recovery so special, right? Yeah. Right. It's just a red flag in my experience with a friend was she suddenly lost interest in activities she genuinely loved, mm-hmm. cooking, reading, pets, family events, etc. Yeah, that that's a big one. Um, I know um, something happened in February earlier this year that really changed me and was actually the reason why on Good Friday I was going to try to end my life this year. 
Um, I, I lost interest in everything that I enjoyed. I'm still trying to pick up the pieces from that and, um, you know, trying to find things that I enjoy, but it, it's definitely a big thing if they lose interest in things. Yeah, I mean, I'm still trying to get you interested in watching The Flash with me again and mm -hmm. Riverdale with me again. And let's face it, sometimes um, you're going to have to do things even if you don't feel like doing them, right? right. And I, I think it can be some difficult for some people because usually we think if you don't feel like doing something, it's not real and it's not honest, but that's just not so, is it? Right. And I'll give an easy example. If I've sat down at the end of the day and I'm going to just get out my book or play a game on Wii or something, one of the last things I want to hear is like, Honey, can you go to the store and get some milk? We just I haven't out. done that in a long time. Yes, you haven't, but it can happen. That kind of thing. I'm just using that as a, a for instance and such. I don't drink milk anymore. It's just a for instance. I know, one. I know. It, it, it could be anything else out there. And so, I definitely at that time do not feel like going to the store and right. getting things and such. But I do it anyway, because it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And so with me, with things that I like and such, your sums have to do them. Yeah. And, of course, if it's something wrong, that would be something different altogether. Right. But sometimes you do things just because it's the right thing to do. And I think this also helps you that you start learning your feelings aren't in charge. Right. If there was someone out there right now listening who really is considering suicide, if you could talk to them, what would you tell them? Oh, boy. Um, hang in there. You know, it's... Don't, don't let this be the end of your story when it could be just beginning. Mm-hmm. And if we're talking to people and we think they could be suicidal... What kinds of things should we say at that time? I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. No, if, if there's anything you need, I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. I think one of the great websites that's got a lot of good information on this is The Mighty. Mm -hmm. Tell us about some about The Mighty. What is it? Um, it, uh, I mean, The Mighty has different subjects it covers i mainly uh i mainly read the articles that are concerning mental health mm -hmm. but um it just it, it can really open your eyes to what people are going through mm -hmm. you know it's, I, I share a lot of for example i share a lot of articles from them about borderline personality disorder mm -hmm. Because not only am I trying to learn more about what it's like having it for me, but I'm hoping other people who, mm -hmm. you know, who, who don't understand what it is can understand it too. So not as an excuse for the way how I behave, but for them to understand 
yeah. how I behave. Yeah, as I say about our Asperger, sometimes it's an explanation, not a justification. Right. And we had someone here in the comments saying, saying you could go to a store together, maybe. Yeah, sometimes we do that. It doesn't mean I still feel like doing it. Sometimes she's still in the middle of cooking something, so I have to go on my own because she's got the oven heating and things like that and such, so I have to go on my own sometimes. But, yeah, I mean, anyway, sometimes, guys, being a loving husband means you do things you don't feel like doing, and sometimes, ladies, being a loving wife means you do things you don't feel like doing. As I've said, uh, keep this in mind, ladies, here's a tip. Once, if you have a son sometime, name him Gotham. That way, every time, anytime the baby starts crying in the middle of the night, you can just turn to your husband and say, Gotham needs you. And he'll get up and he'll take care of a problem every I'll single day. I'll get up if the baby's <laughs> named Gotham. Gotham needs me, I'll get up. <laughs> now, let's talk about how things are going for you right now here. Because you've been trying to make a lot of changes. In one way, you've been very inspirational to a lot of people lately is you want to get a healthy weight. Mm-hmm. Tell us about what's going on. Um, well, for about a year, I've been about 300 pounds, sometimes going a little more than 300, but staying around the th- between 296 and 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I'm tired of being so heavy. I'm tired of allowing food to control me, and I'm tired of being in pain all the time not just emotionally but physically because that's hard on the body to carry that much weight and it's hard on the joints i've got arthritis in both my knees and some knee injuries and so um you know that that doesn't help Mm -hmm. when you're heavy so i um a friend has been helping me with my dieting and i've been staying away from bread potatoes rice and sweets I try to limit my meals to having two, at the most, two grams of sugar and uh, 1,200 calories a day. Mm-hmm. So, last month, I'd say, did you have any success at all with this diet? I lost 15 pounds. 15 pounds in a month. Mm-hmm. And we, we even, when we turned on my computer here to do this, we saw one of my friends saying they'd lost 17.4 pounds. Thanks, Allie, for being an inspiration. Mm-hmm. And you, especially, being called as an inspiration for losing this weight. And what does that do for you when you see all these people, when you post your success and people talk, start talking about you being an inspiration? It makes me feel really good. Um, I often feel like... I'm I'm not really doing anything to contribute to anyone, but if I can inspire people, that uh, that makes me feel really good. Yeah, we got a comment on the side. Good job, out and you, you, <laughs> thanks. You, you see, you see all the hearts going up here on the live stream. Okay. So, <laughs> see, see, and this is one good reason to do the live stream here, and you know, I, I think something like that goes with something we've been saying here because you've you say you feel like. You don't really do anything for anyone, yet here uh, <laughs> you have so much jealous in my life. You're only seeing part of it, by the way. This whole face is filled with shelves, and there's even more books out there. I'm but, surrounded by books. I'm in book hell. There's no such thing. 
if we catch them on fire, maybe. Blasphemy. <laughs> uh, anyway, what I was saying is that it, it's it's easy for you, again, to downplay something. because I tell you all the good you do for me constantly. And usually your comments, well, someone else could do it. I'm going to do it much. But, you know, the thing is, you do it, don't you? Yeah. And that's easy to lose sight of. I mean, sure, some other people could be an inspiration for weight loss and such, but you're the one doing it. Mm-hmm. And once you uh, get to your healthy weight and such, do you have any plans for that? On what I'm going to do? Yeah. Um. Well, you've said that once I've lost 100 pounds, I can maybe get my first tattoo. It depends. You've got a skin condition know, and I such. Know. So we. But it'd be cool if I could get a tattoo. Yeah. And you also want to do horseback riding. Yes. Again, don't you? I do. And you've got a good friend at Subway Recovery who can help you with that, don't you? Mm hmm. And I think you've also said if you go a year without self harm, your plan is to write a little ebook on that, isn't it? Mm hmm. And all this going on, I mean, it kind of gets to that we definitely really never know what the future holds. And all this journey, journey with overeating and everything else going on in your life, it's worth it if it helps just one person. Yes. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. 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 Someone says, you're feeling <laughs> so good you won't even want a tattoo anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I've been wanting a tattoo for a while. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, your parents have already said, once you hit your ideal weight shopping spree... Oh, right? yeah, I'm going to need some new clothes. Mm-hmm. You know, we, the, no more t-shirts. We, finally some nice shirts. Yeah, expect to see you on the next episode of Extreme Weight Loss here. And by the way, this 15 pounds, it's been done without even doing a lot of exercising, right? Mm-hmm. Mostly diet. Yeah, of course... You are getting ready to a point where you are going to be working on exercising and such, but just mm-hmm. changing your diet has had a big impact. And yes. all these foods that you've cut out of your diet and such, they were ones you've loved, but you haven't managed to go cold turkey. Mm-hmm. My lady who is watching with me wants to know what you get from Allie that makes you love her so much. Okay. With Allie, Allie is the person who came to my life, and she didn't friendzone me. And that was something incredible. I'd never known a lady who loves me for me in a romantic sense like that. And she's never been ashamed of me or anything. She actually likes me physically as well. And to me, that's absolutely stunning. I think one of the things is if you grew up like me and you're a nerd, you kind of start thinking no one ever will come into your life and love you like this. And when they do, you don't lose sight of it. You get I get amazed by it every day. I still love you so much, honey. I'm, I'm so amazed that there's a woman out there like you. And I say... What she was saying a while ago about listening to someone instead of just fixing a problem, Allie is very good at that with me. 
And one of my love languages is touch from her. And to have her just give me a hug or something like that, a nice kiss, something like that, that, that can be everything. If I'm very angry about something, for instance, she's the one that she can come out where she can take my hand calmly, gently, put her hand on my leg, something like that. It doesn't change things in me. By God, everything starts to starts to go away at that point, and I'm able to focus. And I, I come back to what the scripture says: "Kind of, we love because He first loved us." and we actually both say that about each other. We love each other because we, we everyone loved us first in our mind. Right, hon? Mm-hmm. And I think with what I was saying about you, you might say the same kinds of things in some way, right? Mm-hmm. And as, both, as far as both of us were concerned, we were kind of like the outcast and such. And now we've got each other in... It's been going on like this for eight years of marriage together, and it's really incredible. And we sit here and all and wonder at your loving response. And one of my favorite songs that I'll play sometimes, because sometimes when on some days when talk radio isn't too good and I'm getting a shower, I want to play some music. One that I usually always play is Danny's song. Because me, that, that reminds us me so much of us. Is right now we're in a bad financial situation. We want to get out of that someday. That's why donations are so special to us. But I love the idea of even though we don't got money, I'm so in love with you, honey, and everything will build a chain of love. You know, when, when I rise, bring a tear to my eyes and tell me everything will be all right. Now it usually goes to bed before I do. I'm a night owl of sorts. And I stay up, but you know, I can just be out there sometimes think my wife is sleeping in the next room yes yes my wife that is incredible and you know, I have other friends who are single and I hear about them waiting and I say guys don't give up because there could be someone really awesome just around the corner and I know even Allie has a hard time believing what I'm saying here right now and this is part of that learning humility isn't it right yeah. Because now he's the same thing. No, he doesn't. He, he, he's either he doesn't know the real me or he's just saying it or things like that. It, it's usually easy to go to your friends and think they're just being nice and things like that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So what kind of steps are you taking to overcome these issues here? Um, I guess try to be more trusting. Mm-hmm. And of course, this means trust to the, the people, right people the people who deserve it. And something I've told you also is not wearing your heart on your sleeve too much, not being an open book to everyone you meet. Right. And what role does Christianity play in all of this? Um, um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, I guess... For one thing, uh, it's something that I try to keep in mind if I'm feeling suicidal is that, you know, I, I want to honor God with my life. Mm-hmm. And if I kill myself, that's not honoring him. Mm-hmm. That's actually bringing dishonor to him. 
And I don't want to do that. Yeah. I do that enough living. I don't want to do that permanently. Yeah. And I think it's also important to say that Christians, please don't give pet answers to people like this. Don't. As much as we encourage these things, don't say, just read the Bible and pray. Oh, God, no. (laughs) And yes, Danny's song by Loggins and Messina. Yes, that's the one. And Allie and I are not opposed to Bible reading. We are not opposed to prayer. But sometimes it takes a little bit more, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean... I know for me, like, when someone tells me they've been praying for me, that means a lot to me. but, But don't tell me, just read your Bible. Or mm-hmm. just pray about it. Because I've had therapists tell me that, and it doesn't work like that. Now, of course, a Christian struggling with this kind of thing should be reading their Bible. Right. They should be praying. And you do have some memory verses that you have some taped on your mirror mm-hmm. and things like that and such. But this is something that takes real effort. It's not going to change overnight. And I think that's one of the great dangers of our society is that we live in an instant age, and we think everything has to be fixed instantly. Right. And it isn't. But I think right now, you are seeing that there is a light at the end of a tunnel, so to speak, and maybe the darkness isn't as dark as you think it is, right? Maybe. Still working on that. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, you've got several people who've stepped up to help you out, and we're grateful for the church we've started going to. Give her some bets. Both churches. Yeah, both of them. One of them, priest there is giving you personal counseling mm-hmm. and such. And the other one, we've only been to it a few times, and yet the pastor has already agreed to pay for Ali to have DBT for a year. Mm-hmm. And I've I've said, Ali, Ali, I'm really good at math. The church has just invested over $5,000 in us right now. I mean, you're seeing all these people giving to you, I mean, what are you thinking about it? Uh, I'm grateful to them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I hope I don't disappoint them. Mm-hmm. You know, and as we're looking here, we're seeing all these comments and such that people are ma- making and seeing all the hearts and the thumbs up and such going up. I mean, what, what do you think when you see all this going on on Facebook and such here? Um, I guess I hope through my suffering, um, I can help at least one person. Mm-hmm. You know you already have, don't you? Who? Well, you, we have the whole thing about you being an inspiration with weight loss and such. Yeah. And I know you're a great help on the man sitting right next to you. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And... And see, this is just another example, isn't it, of that you never know what the future holds. Because when we go back to your first suicide attempt, you never would have dreamed that it'd be something like this here today. Right. What do you mean? Like I said, this guy that you were interested in was your dream guy. And as it turns out, you didn't marry your dream guy, did you? Nope. I got better. Mm-hmm. I got better, too, huh? <laughs> You won't even tell me who your dream girl was. Well, you're very different from what I thought I would be marrying to. I thought I'd marry another bookworm. Of sorts. Yeah. I, I did not get that. But Burn the books. We'll be Sorry. dealing with our blasphemy <laughs> later on here. I, I, 
Um, I'm gonna go and burn all of Ali's mangas right no! now. <laughs> but overall, me right now, could dare say life is good. Yeah. And people, if you're out there and you are considering this, or you know someone who is, please call the suicide hotline in whatever country you live in and get some help, right, hun? Mm-hmm. And maybe you might even have to call, like, a, a crisis prevention line. We've called that a few times, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Like, there was one time even that you just had a case of self-harm, and I cried for three hours straight. Mm-hmm. And we, we called the crisis line. They, they asked me, do you need help, or is it her who needs help right now? But, and it, we, it has been nearly two hours now. I asked my guests if they have a, a blog, a website, an email, where people can get in touch if they want to find out more. And you've mentioned your blog once on here. Tell us about your blog. Uh, I write a lot about mental illness or just how I'm feeling emotionally. There's some creative writing. Um, it tends to be very dark. Mm-hmm. Most of my family can't read my blog. Mm-hmm. So, where, where is your blog at? Uh, written I am red dot blogspot dot com. That's an ill she meant were written in red and she had a typo the typo was stuck. Yeah. And such and yeah, I agree. Don't burn the books, read the books as much as I can. I do that. Do you have any final words you'd like to leave for a deeper waters audience? Um pray for the people you meet. Like I said, you don't know what kind of battle they're fighting. And, um, you know, pray that God has mercy on them, and, yeah. And some of you, you out here, I mean, listening on Facebook here and such, you might not know it, we don't broadcast it, but sometimes when we see you post things on here, we make sure to pray for you that mm-hmm. evening. Yeah. Reach out and be a friend to someone around you. Suicide is never the right answer. No. Now, Princess, thank you so much for coming on. My favorite guest to have. Certainly the most beautiful guest I ever have. (laughs) (laughs) I'm serious, and you know I mean it, don't you? All (laughs) right. But your hubby loves you very much. I love you, too. Yeah, we're we're grossing out the people on the live stream right now, I'm sure. But if you're here next week... I mean, I hope we see Ari here again sometime, but if you're here next week, we're going to have Greg Kutsana on, and he's going to be talking about mirror science and Christian faith, and we have some thanks here for both of us and such, so, but Princess, it's been a joy to have you here. Thank you for having me. And I'll be back next week on the Deeper Waters podcast. For now, I'm Nick Peters, and I'm signing off. Bye.